This podcast contains adult language and mature themes, which may not be suitable for all listeners. So listen at your own fucking risk. to Essential NPCs, the podcast where we sample some of the best and possibly some of the worst tabletop RPGs. I'm Tommy. And I'm Addie. And you're listening to Series 7, Episode 5, Fun and Games. And let's start it off with an announcement. Uh, If you missed it, um, yesterday evening, I was on uh, the RPG Academy's Lawful and Orderly Twitch stream. If you are interested in watching me play D&D on Twitch with some really cool kids, go to twitch.tv slash the RPG Academy and check out their latest broadcast. The episode is called Fan Service. It's super, super cool. Uh, I uh, I was watching it live, obviously, uh, and it was a blast. Addie was a hit, and she breaks out her sweet mountain dwarf accent. <laughs> so I definitely recommend checking it out. It's a great uh, two-hour watch. But that is the only announcement we have for now, uh, so definitely go check that out. And with that, we'll move on into Words with the GM. Hi. Hello, GM. Hi. This Words with the GM is about Series 7, Episode 4, Sepulchers 2. And with this one, we want to actually take a a little bit of time and talk about uh, an aspect of the 7th C system uh, that we mentioned very briefly in the first episode, but didn't quite uh, dive super deep into, and that is uh, Quirks and Arcana. Every character in 7C has two quirks and two arcana. Quirks are things that you get from your backgrounds that allow you to grab some hero points uh, if you do the things that fall in line with them. Uh, And it allows you to kind of help develop your character's personality as well as just the background. They're a really helpful tool for players, especially if they're not quite sure who their character is exactly. Um, This way they can kind of have a little quirk or attitude that they might not have had otherwise that can help them become a like more rounded character. And the arcana is made up of two different parts. The virtue, which is generally a positive trait, something that usually helps them or their allies uh, when they decide to activate it, and their hubris, um, really like a huge flaw that they have, and um, that can be activated either by them through role play and then activating it, or uh, by the GM if uh, if the GM decides that this is a situation where their vices are getting the better of the character. And when that happens, uh, they also get a hero point. So what you can see is um, once the character is completely created, they have three built-in ways to get hero points, and they revolve heavily around role-playing to that character's kind of personality, as developed by their two backgrounds and their hubris. For the purposes of this podcast, we didn't really want to spend a whole lot of time uh, slowing down all the action and like getting into the, Hey, I think I activated my background quirk. Hey, I think that plays into my hubris. Can I have a hero point? Um, mostly because, uh, 
in a normal 7C game only sometimes comes down to like having to ask about it. A lot of times it's very obvious that you played to your quirk or your hubris and the GM just holds out a hero point to reward you for it. Uh, all the quirks and both the arcana, the virtue and the hubris can only be activated once a session. Um, so all of our characters have quirks and arcana and we wanted to take a minute to kind of walk you guys through it because while we don't highlight it in the episodes, it can kind of lend some insight to why our characters are behaving in certain ways and and you can kind of understand like the mechanics working behind the role play a little bit. Um, so walking through the whole party, uh, starting with Captain Kirill, um, his virtue is commanding. Uh, when he activates that, all other heroes in the scene with him get a hero point. He doesn't, but everyone else does. Um, and then his hubris is arrogant, which means he receives a hero point when he looks down on something that is dangerous. He, he acts, uh, acts as if it's, you know, not actually a threat. His two quirks that he gets are from uh, his two backgrounds, Ship's Captain and Raz Rushital. The ship captain, he gets a hero point when he is the last one to safety. And Razrushital, he gets a hero point when he commits to a loud and direct course of action, like bursting through a door and grabbing a jar and shoving it over <laughs> a spirit's head. For Goodbrand, uh, his virtue is that he is astute. He can use he can activate that to make it so whatever action a villain is attempting to use on him or a friend doesn't work. The villain still uses their turn and however many raises to try and attempt the action, but because he's so astute, uh, he sees it coming and, and cancels it out somehow. Um, and his hubris is that he is underconfident, meaning he gets a hero point when he asks or when he refuses to do something without someone else's help. As for his backgrounds, uh, he is a scald and a vala. Uh, the scald makes it so that uh, he gets a hero point if he uses his knowledge gained from his satyr magic to help uh, another hero solve a problem or defeat a villain and the Vala background gives uh, makes it so he gains a hero point when he refuses to use his Galder magic uh, in a situation where he where it would be easy to do so because the Vala believe that uh, Galder magic uh, should be used sparingly it's not something to be used just for every every little problem you have as for Bastion his virtue is comforting which I activated in the last session it uh, gives us a round where uh no one is affected by fear, uh, which uh, is good because fear makes you lose uh, dice when you roll. Uh, and uh, his hubris is uh, bitterness, which is uh, he gets a hero point when he brings up old grudges at inopportune or inappropriate moments, uh, which you've probably noticed him doing a lot. <laughs> um, uh, as for his backgrounds, uh, his ba one background is dualist, which is he gets a hero point when he resorts to the, the edge of his blade to defend a noble ideal. Uh, and then there's diestro, uh, which is kind of like a student of the blade. And he it means he gets a hero point when he defeats uh, an enemy dualist at his own game. So proving he's the better dualist. Uh, and, and then finally for Matteo... His virtue is that he is exemplary, uh, which allows him to uh, pool his raises with another player during a sequence so that they kind of act in tandem together and they skyrocket in initiative. And then his hubris is that he is envious, which means uh, he gets a hero point if he covets something and does something unwise to try and get it, um, which I believe a couple episodes ago when he was looking at all those artifacts in that room, he said something along the lines of 
I've never wanted to covet something more in my life. Uh, he was referring to his hubris, because meaning he would have gotten a hero point if he had done that. And then uh, for his background quirks, he is an exploratore, uh, which means uh, he gets a hero point when he puts himself in harm's way in pursuit of knowledge. And I know for a fact you will hear Sean frequently phrase his actions in that way. He'll be like, well, I'm going to put myself in harm's way in pursuit of knowledge and do this foolish thing, uh, which sometimes acts both his envious and his exploratory at the same time. Um, and then his other quirk is that he is a scholar, which means when he uses non thean items or knowledge to solve a problem, uh, he gets a hero point. And most of these you've probably actually already seen, and it kind of flows really naturally into the narrative, which is, which is really cool. Yeah, and um, this is a type of mechanic that uh, we've been seeing a lot of as we've been researching and playing new RPGs is roleplay built in as a mechanic to a system. I, I think it's really useful um, because it helps and encourages uh, the players at your table to, you know, leave behind sort of a lot of the like statistics and, and the, the mechanics of the game and really experience the storytelling part of the game, which is my favorite part. Um, one of the things that I would highly recommend is finding a way to incorporate a similar mechanic to encourage your players to role play if you're if you're not seeing as much role play as you'd like. Um, we've talked a lot about how to engage your players by role playing to you know at them and with them, uh, but this way is a really great way to engage uh, mechanically focused players into the role play aspect. But that's enough about uh, quirks and hubri and virtues. Uh, what was your favorite part of the last episode? I honestly, I think it was the kind of weird, surrealistic situation we found ourselves in in one of those rooms where we like climb up on this elevated uh, like platform and we walk for a little bit and then we see this like this large like divot and this like giant like weirdly shaped knife and then like we all kind of came. To, this is is this just a a giant dinner table and this is a bowl and a knife. Is this just a Searneth steak knife? <laughs> and, uh, it was kind of fun and, uh, and it made sense, but it was unexpected. So I liked it. What about you? What was your favorite part? My favorite part was, uh, the ghost. And the reason that, uh, it was in particular is because the entire dungeon was kind of like spooky and scary. And there were these skeletons and everyone was kind of freaked out. And as soon as you guys, um, weren't looking for the spooky stuff anymore and like weren't being freaked out by it is where I had planned the ghost to be. Uh, and so I really enjoyed that payoff of like, Oh, let's look in this urn. Oh, it's a swirly thing. What is it? Oh no, it's a ghost. Um, was really great. I, 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 as a GM really enjoyed that. I love that this episode started off with uh, Captain Kirill and Matteo being like ghosts and skeletons. <laughs> yeah. And then we found ghosts and skeletons, <laughs> but, uh, we have a whole nother episode, uh, to listen to today. Uh, we're still in that dungeon. We've explored a little bit. We survived the ghost fight. Uh, there's one more path left to us to go down. So we are going to go that way and hopefully we find the treasure we are seeking. So let's move on in and listen to to Series 7, Episode 5, Fun and Games. Enjoy! 
I am Bastian Corazon. I hail from the Castilian city of Odysseus, home of the duelist tournament known as the Festival of Swords. Watching swordmasters all over the world compete inspired me at a very young age to take up the blade. Once I was old enough, I joined the Explorer Society as a means to travel to Avalon and study under the masters of the Skaldas Klisa style. However, earning entry to the Duelist Guild was not enough for me. I have spent nearly two decades since traveling the world, testing my blade against masters and villains alike. Most recently, I have found myself aboard a pirate ship, accompanying a man I consider a brother, Goodbrand Strandbella, on his journey to Numa to uncover lost artifacts. One day I hope to truly master the way of the sword, unlock his secrets, and eventually settle down and found a duelist academy to teach a style of my own making. Until then, I will continue to travel the world and learn what I can the way I know best, crossing blades with skilled duelists brave enough to face me. Good friend Strandavella, and it is very good to meet you. Please don't be too alarmed from my appearance. I am a Skald Vala, a keeper of runes, a finder of lore, a protector of the legacy of Vestan Manavanyar. This may seem like a lofty title, but I promise modern Vestans appreciate far more the achievements of their fighters and their merchants. With the founder of a notable merchant's guild for a father, and a mother whose dueling skills are renowned across Thea, I have quite a bit to live up to. Nothing made this more clear than my parents' obvious adoration of Bastian. Today I call him brother, but when my mother first took him into our home for training, I admit my jealousy of his easy demeanor and obvious skill with the weapon. It was this skill that cemented us as a team, working for our respective societies. For the first time, he has taken me away from my home country, on a path that may lead me to the fabled 13th rune, and with it, the immortality of my name. Ahoy, I am Captain Kirill Tikvintimovich, strongest man in there. <laughs> You'll believe. <laughs> Maybe strongest. Who is to say? My past is unimportant. Now, I am captain of the iceberg. She is a very good vessel, silent as the grave, and sturdy enough to sailing dangerous waters others won't follow. Excellent for smuggling. I make certain modifications myself after I steal her from Atabian Trading Company, not Kirill's biggest fans. About two years ago, I am finding Stowe, uh, who is nephew of Vodachi Merchant Prince, a man who hires me to smuggle relics. The boy is young, but sharp as tattoo needle. He pays Kirill well to pocket artifacts he likes uh, before they are reaching uncle, and so we are in business. However, coin is not enough. Everyone I am allowed to sailing on the iceberg has their uses. <laughs> Matteo di Caligari, at your service. You may have heard of me. Certainly my uncle is a merchant prince of Odachi, but I am constructing a legacy of my own as a renowned archaeologist for the Explorer's Society. Ever since I was a boy, I have loved to watch my uncle's smugglers deliver ancient artifacts from all over the world. As I matured, I loved even more to skim a few off the top for my own personal study. 
At 13, my uncle took notice of my mental, if not material, acquisitiveness and sent me to university and lyceum in Castile, from which I graduated in a prodigious two years, making only minimal enemies in the process. After the completion of my studies, instead of returning home on Capitano Kirill's vessel, I stowed away to sail straight to the source of my desires, the occult ruins of the mysterious Sirneth. By age 16, our mutually profitable arrangement brought us to Vestin Minavignar, where the Explorer Society connected us with the duelist Bastian, the Vala Skald Gudbrand, and a lead that would change the course of our fates forever. Uh, when we last left our heroes, they had traveled beneath the city of Nikiamara and after being temporarily separated, uh, joined back together just in time to explore the seemingly abandoned ruins beneath. They were in for a few long, boring hours of nothing but finding long-dead skeletons uh, before they were greatly surprised by Gutbrand's discovery of a spirit in an amphora jar, which proceeded to attack them and steal their breath away before they uh, fought it back off with a little help from Captain Kirill, who had not been hiding two rooms over. <laughs> Uh, so you're back in the room where uh, Gutbrand and um, Bastian started uh, with the forks. Uh, and you've decided to, after taking both the right and center paths uh, separate ways, um, uh, to head to the left path um, to see what is there. You head down a short corridor before you uh, come to a staircase uh, leading down. This seems promising. It matches what was the case on the other side, no? Yes, and I think going down is a good bet for finding sepulchers. I lead the way with the torch. So uh, you head down the staircase. Unlike the staircase on the right, the staircase on the left is um, a straight stair staircase. Mm. Um and it uh, doubles back on itself a few times before uh, coming out to a low, wide room, just as large as the, the footprints of the rooms above it, but uh, the ceiling is made for human height. We seem to be much deeper than we were before. I think that's a good sign. I think so, too. Are there doorways in this room? There doesn't seem to be a doorway in this room. Not that you've seen. So we just took it all the way down to a single large human-sized room. Interesting. Let's uh, look mm -hmm. around the walls, look to see if there's any writing, any secret passages, any yeah. traps to trigger. I'm looking at the floor <laughs> to see if there's a trap door to lead lower. Um, yeah. So anybody who's looking for something, uh, you can go ahead and roll wits and notice. Mateo has four raises with two remainders. Kirill has two raises, one remainder. Gitprent has three raises with one remainder. Uh, Bastian has one. I'm holding the torch for Gitprent to see. <laughs> <laughs> as Bastian expertly holds the torch for you guys as you look around, you find that the walls are um, covered in a sort of hieroglyphic writing. Is it familiar to me? It is not. What about it to me? 
Yes. This is Thayan. Ah, yes. Uh, ironically older than old Thayan. I still don't understand why that is. Well, it came first, so I guess they decided not to add anything to it when they, uh, after it evolved. But into... then they could have just called it new Thayan, couldn't they have? They sure could have. I don't make the rules. <laughs> <laughs> I read this uh, text. This is um, something akin to a chessboard. You're looking at rules for a game. It's a game. Do Is there anything on the floor, like a uh, board or pieces? Uh, not that you see at the moment, um, but as you follow um, the rules around the room um, and you get to the end, there is a square. Uh, just on the wall? On the wall. Like... You look like you are about to touch something. Well, <laughs> I do have my hand raised next to this square on the wall, but you'll note that it is staying still and I am not touching it, okay. but I'm really thinking about touching it. Should okay. we perhaps take a vote on whether or not you should touch the <laughs> yes. square? Let's my hand is as group. My Why are you touching square? My hand is raised to vote for touching square. <laughs> it is very close to touching square. I know it looks like I am touching the square. I am not actually touching the square yet. So you have been looking at the wall for a couple minutes before about to touch square. Uh, may I ask, why are you looking at the wall for a couple minutes before you are about to touch square? Oh, sorry. I was. I must have been talking in Thayan when I was reading out loud to myself. <laughs> you were. You really should learn to understand Thayan. It's a beautiful language. Get on with it, Matteo. <laughs> <laughs> the number of noun declensions alone. <laughs> yes, uh, it appears that these hieroglyphics al along the wall, they're old Thayan instruct. <laughs> Uh, they are old, and they are Thayan, but they are not old Thayan. <laughs> they are old, comma, Thayan instructions for playing a sort of game, like uh, a chess, perhaps a precursor. Uh, I am thinking that if I put my hand on this square, we might be able to play this game. It seems like a lot of fun. I'm confident we could win a game of logic. I'm for him touching the square. There's nothing else for us to do in this room but touch the square, so I say we touch the square. Thank you for bringing it to committee. <laughs> <laughs> you may touch the square. I touch the square. <laughs> uh, sure. And as you do, uh, you hear uh, the scraping of stone on stone. I've heard this noise before <laughs> after touching something. But this time, we all agreed to touch it. <laughs> so if we have to run away from drowning all of our faults together. That's the point. <laughs> uh, and the uh, floor and walls... And ceiling have sections of it that sort of recess just slightly, creating squares all along uh, this otherwise plain room now is covered in squares. It's squared. <laughs> um, perhaps look like a three-dimensional game board? Yes. If you kind of folded up a, a checkers or a chess board, that's what it would look like. And then one square in the very center of the room is illuminated. Do I know the significance of this based on my understanding of the rules? It's the start. Is it big enough for a person, person to stand on? Yes. What do... Uh... Who will be my pawn? I mean, king. 
I will be king. <laughs> so uh, having read the rules to this game, Mateo, you know that uh, it is a game of logic and luck. You're trying to travel without ever going more than one row out from the center at a time. I trust you to move me correctly. And if this game kills me, I will kill you. Okay, deal. <laughs> I step on the glowing square. Uh, so you step on the glowing square and the, um, the squares um, two out diagonally from it light up. <laughs> As you understand it, these are um, the squares that are safe. Uh, you can't take more than one, move more than one square in any direction at any given time or else you are breaking the rules. And the object is to safely step onto the exit uh, square uh, in the north, the center of the north wall. And how many squares by, uh, what is the grid? Uh, It is, there are seven across and seven up. Okay. Well, uh, it's not quite made clear in the rules. Let's see what happens when you step on an unsafe square. This is the scientific method, of course. Unsafe? I can probably jump to these lit squares. Uh, That is not a good idea. That would be breaking the rules. Which is something we don't want to do. Mateo and his rules. (laughs) Which direction do you recommend? Well, we are trying to get you out to the north. So let's try north and west to keep you close to a a safe square. I step northwest confidently. The square beneath you lights up and uh, you receive a jolt of power um, and take a wound. Mateo, this is unpleasant. Ah, I see what they mean by unsafe square now. Yes, but now he is standing on a safe square. Uh, the, the, uh, the square to the northwest of each lit square also lights up. Ah, we have created a line. Yes, but it appears to go to corner. You say we want to go to wall. That's true. Hmm. Let us try something. The center square is still lit, yes? Yes. Uh, What happens if you move back to center square? Back and forth. This is no way to get anywhere in the game. (laughs) I mumble, but I do move back to the center, going uh, one step southeast. Okay. Uh, You step there. Uh, No jolt, but the the illumination uh, stops in that square. Ah, we have used up our safety. So each safety only has one use. Perhaps what we are trying to make is a safe path from one entrance to the end. And maybe that means creating several paths so that we can all go over. It could be... In the game, the game is won when uh, the the king steps upon the. Um, is that am I correct? Safely s- when steps. the ga- when the king safely steps upon the uh, door space here and and escapes. Is uh, is the king meant to be the only piece in this game? It looks that way. Yes, mm. and we are playing against the room as it appears. And when. Kiro stepped onto the center tile that was illuminated and it turned off. No others turned on? No others turned on. So he could either go back towards safe tiles or he could step 
into an unsafe tile to be closer to the door and closer to two other safe tiles. That sounds like a very sound uh, strategy, Bastian. Uh, so, Kirill, do you take this step to the northeast? This place is unlit, so I expect more unpleasantness. Uh, but I take step to northeast. Okay, you do. Uh, as it illuminates beneath you, you take two wounds as this jolt is more powerful than the last. <sighs> and again, all the uh, corresponding, all, all the lit tiles have their tile to the northeast illuminated. It looks like whenever he moves onto a, a shocking square, the game will light up uh, based on the relative position of... Um, uh, other safe spaces will create new ones. All we need to do is to have Kirill move north then onto a uh, once north and then once north again. You will have to take another shock, but the presumably, if I am understanding the rules of the game correctly, you will light up the uh, the safe square. How many more shocks you are saying? Just one. If you move one once more north, you should light up the, the square we need and have a safe path. Just one more shock. <laughs> Kirill is going to win game. <laughs> <laughs> take step to north. Like before, it illuminates beneath you and uh, you take four wounds. <laughs> Are you okay, Capitan? You little crispy. <laughs> With the illumination of that block and the corresponding blocks, the uh, proverbial door appears. The fabled door appears. Ah, a step to the northwest should have Kirill the winner. Step to the northwest it is. This is where the door appears. Okay. Uh, so as you step onto the square, the illumination turns off beneath you and the lights run around the board once uh, around the like perimeter of the board once, uh, and then the floor opens up beneath you and you fall through. No, ah, Capitan! Oh, Capitano! I win! <laughs> uh, I think throwing caution to the wind, I will rush forward. Yeah, um, you do, uh, and you have just enough time to get to the uh, chute before, uh, before it shuts. Do you jump through or try to hold it open? I am going to... Uh, if I see it is about to shut, instinctively, I believe I will draw my sword and try to uh, jam it in there to keep it open. Okay. Yeah, you're able to do that. He receives no shocks when he races forward? Uh, all the lights turned off when the door opened, or when the chute opened. Sure. You have to hit, hit start again. <laughs> I am very large. Am I able at all to, once I have gained my senses, uh, throw out arms and legs and stop self in shoot? You are definitely able to slow your decline. You're going to take an additional two wounds, basically uh, on your hands as you try to slow your fall. Um, there's a, you know, it's not the smoothest and, and you get a little like rope burn, for lack of a better term, like as you try to push yourself against the wall. Mm. Uh, eventually you can come to a, a halt. Mateo! Ah, yes! Did we win? <laughs> if this is how the, this culture treats winners, I am not sure I want to see how it treats losers. We are coming after you, yes? Uh, yeah, I have my sword uh, jammed in there. Um, I'm going to shout down to the Capitan. Do you, do you see the... Have you made it to the bottom? What is down there? Uh, not yet. Let me look. I look down. 
you don't have a torch with you, so um, there's really nothing. It was basically on instinct that you jammed your hands and feet out to try and stop yourself. I cannot see bottom. I'm going to use my sword. I don't know. I'm going to push this this partially closed opening a little more open. Sure. Uh, and I'm going to go, good brand, good brand, the torch. Drop it down to the brave captain. All right, uh, Captain, get ready. There is fire coming your way. <laughs> I cannot catch these hands. Are a little occupied. No, we must follow him. Well, how are we going to stop ourselves? My boots don't have that good traction. Is there any place for us to uh, tie down the rope? Nope. The uh, With the attempted closing of the door, the, uh, the lines in the floor and ceiling and walls have all... Returned to their original uh, flat, smooth p- uh, position. This, my mm. friends, is what we call a leap of faith. A trust that these ancient cultures will take us to the winner's circle. And I would like to uh, uh, put myself in harm's way in pursuit of knowledge and just <laughs> jump right down the hole. He really is towing that line of do not touch anything, isn't he? Apparently, yes. <laughs> <laughs> you have dislodged me, Matteo. <laughs> yeah, if you're jumping down the middle of the chute, you certainly just like jump on to Captain Kirill. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, so the, the, the good captain and... Uh, the bad Mateo. The bad Mateo fall into the chute that slowly um, like curves out so it's caught like a slide and you slide into another darkened uh, room of some kind. It's okay, everyone. It's a slide. Hey, look over at Gubrand. I guess we go down. Uh, sure. I suppose you really have to hold that sword there, don't you? So I have to go next. Time. I, I kind of push it a little more so you have a little more room than Mateo had. And I, I say, good luck. I'll see you at the bottom. I appreciate it. And good friend tries to very carefully just like like one leg at a time, like still holding himself up at the torso, crawl into it so that maybe he gets a really slow start. Uh, <laughs> And he's still holding on to the lid, and he's like, no, I don't want to do this Any, anymore. Any time now. I, 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 I don't think this is Gubran, going to be fun. Gubran, do not make me kick you down. Um, his fingers slip, and, <laughs> and he falls all the way down the chute at a very accelerated pace in his velvet cloak. <laughs> sure. Uh, I will catch him at the bottom. So uh, because you didn't jump down the middle of the chute, you kind of, um, like, bounce. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and and you'll you'll take uh, three wounds. Bong bong bong. Ah. As you are bruised, headed heading down this slide, and then slide sort of like sprawled on a puppy, uh, like a puppy on ice, just like right across the room into uh, the captain and Mateo, who Bonk. are still in. Did you have the torch? I had the torch. Okay, yes. so they see you coming. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the, and the torch sparks a little bit with every side of the <laughs> shoot that I hit. Sure. Uh, Bastian, you are now in the dark. All right. Uh, well, I, I have the uh, the opening open. Uh, I will uh, look around in the darkness and say, it was not a bad game. Uh, as I hop down, uh, hugging my sword to my chest, shouting, coming down, sword drawn! <laughs> sure. Uh, clear the doorway and hold Matteo and good button back. <laughs> yeah, and you uh, slide out at the bottom. 
luge is a Vestan invention. Uh, so as I am kind of brushing myself off, I say, good form. <laughs> I've been practicing. <laughs> Faith in ingenuity of the ancients pays off again. Shut up, Mateo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good brand. You look terrible. Oh. I did not have such a graceful fall as the rest of you. What does uh, this room look like? Uh, the room is very long with a smooth floor. You could very easily extrapolate that's for the runoff of the slide. Hmm. And there are sort of recessed alcoves um, on either side of this room, which is um, a more usual height for a human. And this is a room that you have seen before. It looks very uncannily like the first room in the first tomb that you um, uh, entered in Vestin, uh, in Vestin Manavanyar. So in that room, you remember that uh, it was a puzzle. Um, and in each alcove, there was an item that had to be placed. The items there were um, more native to the Vestin culture. These items uh, are covered on a, on a altar in the middle of the room. So they have like a cloth over them. We do not know what they are. Mm -hmm. I believe we have to touch something to continue. <laughs> but, but first look, it is, it is the same construction as the other tomb. You, you know what this means. This is, a, this is physical proof of the connection between the Sirneth in Numa and the Sirneth in Vestin Menavanyar. This is something I've never seen before. This is a connection that nobody has seen before. It is a monumental discovery. I think it merits touching something. <laughs> if I... it means we can get out alive to make your discovery known, that is most important. Oh, yes, right. There is no exit to this room. At present. Well, last time we had to place uh, relics in the corners and then we got to continue forward, yes? Yeah, you had to place the the six relics in uh, the correct order on their individual alcoves. We've already done this before. Uh, I, I saunter over to the, uh, uh, to the deus uh, and remove the cloth to see what the relics are. Yeah, so you remove the cloth... And these items are definitely not Vestin in nature. They are a scroll, a ring, a crown, a coin, a necklace, a pair of shoes, and a ribbon. Hey, my hat! <laughs> what? We have seen these artifacts before. Remember, when we tried to uh, show you the, the treasure that we had found, this, this is what we saw. Oh. Were they, did they happen to be displayed in a specific order? <laughs> yes, it was this. Yes, uh, uh, it, it was the same order. The same order. So the scroll, the ring, the crown, the coin, the necklace, the shoes, and the ribbon. They all look very fine. They are exquisite. This is a nice necklace. <laughs> Take it if you need it. <laughs> Matteo, I am noticing problem. There yes, are, the number is... There are seven items. And six alcoves. alcoves. One of these things is not like the others. <laughs> one of these things does not belong. <laughs> oh, we get to take one. You might not be wrong about that. We may be intended to take one in with us to the, whatever the next room is. 
Let's inspect the alcoves. Yeah, is there any indication in the alcoves about what might go in them? Uh, yes, though not in the alcoves themselves. Uh, after perusing the room thoroughly, on the door that you must somehow get through, uh, there is a picture, uh, a pictogram of sorts. Um, the one in Vestin was of a white wolf. The one uh, here is of a beautiful Numa woman uh, bathed in the glow of the sun. What were what were the items relation to the wolf back in? Uh, so there was uh, a pelt, claws. Um, there was also a pair of boots there, just by crazy random happenstance. A collar, uh, and a leash, and a whistle. So one of these things does not belong to this woman. Do you, uh, Matteo, happen to know anything about the new Numenari gods? Is there a sun god? Uh, I mean, yes, there is a sun god. But I feel like the woman here is the, the most important thing. Yes, the woman, she is not, is she wearing anything? She is uh, clothed like a queen. Is she wearing any of these items? A crown or necklace? I think we need to put them on her, do we not? Uh, so in the other room, uh, in in this in the partner room in in, in uh, Vestin Menavinyar, uh, it was you placed them in order uh, that they were on or part of the wolf um, in in the alcoves in order, like bottom up or. Wolves tend to go from left to right. Ah, okay. Yeah. Do people go bottom up or top down, do you think? I would start with top, top down. Top down, probably. Then then I think this crown belongs to this queen. Absolutely. Uh, uh, which plinth should we put it on? Are they all they're all in a row, the alcoves? They're they're in um in like a, a like a semicircle with the door in the middle. Ah, okay. Uh, yes, if we think the crown is at the top, we put the crown at the top. Furthest to the left, I think. All right, let's try it. And uh, a good friend grabs the crown and heads to the first alcove and puts it on the their plinths or daises. What did we decide? Altars. The alcoves. Uh, so in the alcoves there are plinths. Sure. In the center of the yes. room is an altar. Altar. Sure. So um, Goodbrand grabs the crown and heads to the uh, furthest to the left uh, alcove, and puts the dais in. Puts the crown on the dais. Now this is kind of an embarrassing question. Maybe you would know better. Where does a woman wear a ribbon? In the hair? It could be in her hair. It could be uh, around the neck. But the necklace is clearly for the neck. Does it seem sash-sized or hair ribbon-sized? Allow me to inspect these clothings. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, This ribbon, is it the type of ribbon a woman would wear in her hair? Or perhaps uh, as an accessory on another part of her body? Uh, Her wrist? Her her clothing? So this ribbon... Does it smell of hair? It doesn't smell of hair. It is... The finest silver weave you've ever, like, beheld. It's almost like you're holding liquid in, a, in solid form, for lack of a better way to put it. This is a nice ribbon. Um, it's it's literally cloth made from silver. Hmm. Um, it is uh, about a half of an inch to a qu- three quarters of an inch uh, thick and um, about... 
eight inches long. So it could fit on a wrist or as like a little like brooch or in her to tie her hair. Uh, but it, it, it doesn't, it's not, it's certainly not long enough for a belt or um, a garter. Okay. Um, uh, is there any, uh, uh, does it have any creases or holes in it perhaps where a pin might have gone through? It does not. Okay. Uh, I would guess that this probably is for tying one's hair back. Is her hair back in the, in the image? It is not. That's because we need to tie it she back. She has no ribbon. Yes, we must give her the ribbon. I think the ribbon is next. If I'm not mistaken, I think number three is, is easy, the necklace. Yes? I would agree. Yes. So I place the ribbon. Who places the necklace? Capitano, if you would uh, do the honor. I will place the necklace. <laughs> Carol, this is a very nice necklace. <laughs> it is so nice. It's got the weight of the diamonds. You feel them oh. in your hand. We will have to stop back in this room on the way out. <laughs> <laughs> but for now, we need to open the door. Now is where it gets a little tricky. She could have a scroll or a coin in her hands uh, or the pockets. Um, one thing I want to inspect just really quickly. Uh, these boots, are they, uh, are they uh, for a woman or are they for a man? Do they seem... Is there anything I can glean from looking through them uh, or, or testing the size or the, the heel or soul of them? Any Numenari could be found wearing these. Um, they're incredibly intricate. Uh, they have uh, beautiful leather working of, um, with wings on the tops um, as, they, as they sort of like uh, turn into clouds as they, as they go to the feet. So it is. Uh, it could be worn by a man or a woman. Yes. Okay. I cannot rule out the boots. So, uh, what does this scroll say? Uh, I have a feeling I have seen it before. Uh, I unfurl the scroll and see if I can read it. You absolutely can read it. What? This, this may be different. It says something different. Uh, so the scroll is is a simple um, medicinal. A scroll that might be um, read to make a poultice of healing. It seems useful, but maybe not belonging to a queen. These other things seem like royal artifacts, and this seems, well, like for a doctor. It also seems like something we need. Uh, looking at good brand, <laughs> perhaps so. Uh. Right, right, something we need. Uh, I look at the coin. What is on the face of this coin? It's a Sarnath coin. Not unlike the ones that have been found before. So it has a nice warmth to it. It is warm, much like the icon, the artifact that I touched uh, in the uh, in the Vestin uh, catacomb. Uh, this seems like more an artifact of a queenly office than the scroll. Does the face on the coin look like the face of the woman on the door? Yes. I think it is her coin. <laughs> I can always re- rely on you to recognize a woman's face, Captain. <laughs> uh, I, I hand him the coin. Now the only question is, what comes first, the coin or the ring? Uh, does she have a uh, purse or a pouch uh, that would uh, be elevated b- above her hands? Uh, she does actually have, uh, or not, uh, not elevated above her hands, no. Um, uh, it is a long... Uh, sort of satchel that she has. And it goes below her hand. Yes. Then in that case, I think it goes ring and then coin. Yes, ring in the hand and uh, a coin 
on the waist, I suppose. Yes. This makes sense. A good friend grabs the ring and puts it in the next uh, plinth. In the next alcove on the next plinth. And Kirill has the coin and Bastian has the shoes. I will, yeah, I have these boots. Yes, I, I will place coin. And I will finish the row with the boots. I will roll up the scroll and tuck it into my uh, belt. So when you got the... Um when you saw uh, when you placed the artifacts in the correct order, invest them in Navinyar, they uh, the door just opened. This does not happen. Yeah, ring and coin. Yeah, first step. Maybe they read in a different direction. Uh, <laughs> I was oh. going to ask that before we placed them. I wasn't <laughs> sure. That's that's true. All right. First, first we try to swap the ring and the coin. Sure. Uh, I guess good friend's already over there. He does so. Uh, still nothing. Huh. Curtises. All right. Switch ring and coin again. Yep. <laughs> sure. I do so. Again, nothing happens. We have made an error. Maybe the scroll is part of this uh, of this person. Do we not know who this woman is? She's on this coin. There's this big picture of her. Is she not anyone from the Lord that the, the two of you may know? A good friend, Matteo? Perhaps it is a healing god. It is a Sirnith coin. I would have studied that. And I take a very close look at this woman. Uh, you can go ahead and roll uh, scholarship and wit. I have six raises and two remainders. I have three raises and one remainder. Uh, consulting between the two of you, you realize that this is the um, a depiction of the Sirnith uh, goddess uh, Teia, who is in fact Theus's sister, the goddess of the sun, hearth, and home. This is a Sirnith goddess. Mm-hmm. When I look at image on the coin, is she wearing crown, ribbon, ring, necklace, anything on the coin? Good brand. There is no hair ribbon on is, coin image. Is her hair pulled back in the image or is it down? It is down. Okay. That's a pretty good case for it not to be hers, or at least for it not to be worn in her hair. Mateo, do you take a second look at this scroll? I sure do. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so uh, the the items on this uh, scroll for the poultice um, are all by their Sarnath names. Um, but as you actually translate it into Old Thayan, you realize that this is sunweed and sunflower and a list of herbs that um, are partic- either named after or grow well in the sun. Hold on a minute. Everybody. I think we are at a loss. We might as well turn around. Despite our failure, we can still solve it. Do you want me to knock door down? No. I forgot to read the ingredients. Sunflower. Sunweed. Matteo, Matteo, usually your translating skills are so on point. You are are well known for your linguist skills. I assumed you had this in check. Well, I only read the first few lines, okay? After I figured out what it was. I'm going to start checking your work a little more thoroughly. (laughs) 
but this is I, the kinds of mistake that wastes too much time on on, on on something like this. Come on now. Yeah, I will put it in her palm between uh, or uh, before the ring. And we remove the ribbon. And we remove the ribbon and shift everything over. And once you uh, replace the ribbon and place the scroll down, uh, the picture on the door illuminates and it slides open for you easily. I pocket the ribbon. Unbelievable. He had the final part of the puzzle in his hand the entire time it and didn't bother to look at in it. In my hand, it was rolled up in my belt. Mm, mm-hmm. Sure, okay. <laughs> I take the torch and I lead the way. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Watch out for poison. Oh, that's right. Uh, this is the part in Vestin where uh, poor Pietro got poisoned. <laughs> It's true. Um, I'd like to keep an eye out, Matteo. I'd hate to see you poisoned again. Maybe we should send Immune Vodachi Master Race first. <laughs> All right, boy. Good, good brand, good brand hero. We've laid into Matteo enough. He's he's obviously a little uh, shaken by his failure in this puzzle. It's he's okay. I will take the lead. I will look out for any any uh, any place I might get uh, 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 poisoned darted. I grumble in whichever language no one else knows. <laughs> <laughs> Eisen? No, I know Eisen. Damn it. I don't know Eisen. I know grumbling It's Eisen. probably Numenari then. Numenari, I'm probably yes. just grumbling in Numenari. <laughs> Bastian, uh, go ahead and roll finesse and notice. Yes. I, will, I, will, I will toss you actually a hero point for, uh, for four bonus dice here. Um, I, think, I think if... if I, I am definitely helping because, like, I'm feeling a little mm, humiliated. So <laughs> if I can uh, prove myself by uh, noticing a danger before anyone else does, <laughs> I mean, like, uh, uh, or if I can save Bastion, I will help. <laughs> uh, I got five raises with the remainder. Uh, so with uh, Mateo's help of reminding you the pattern, kind of counting out the meter that you guys figured out to step on all of the triggers without actually being stuck by any of them. So, uh, Bastian, you are able to um, jump from one point to the next, getting through uh, and at the end hitting the stop, which is exactly like the one in Vestin Manavinyar. I'm glad they did not change the uh, the order. That would have been very painful. <laughs> you should be safe for you to follow. Thank you, Matteo. You're welcome. He's got sharp eyes, this young one. You're being nice to me. I, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> I called you young. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It, it just feels... Ever since we played that game, it just reminded me of uh, this game my, my cousins used to play with me in Vodachi, uh, chess boxing. Uh, one part chess, uh, one part boxing. I would win round one, but round two was always rough for me. <laughs> <laughs> you get through, everybody can walk down uh, easily. The next room uh, has a beam of light in the center with a little um, tiny column uh, with an altar on it. Uh, uh, and where there was nothing on the this plinth uh, in Vestin Minavinyar, here there is. There is a book. You just walked through this room last time. There is something different about the room. If you'd like to pass by, you may, but I'd at least like to look at the book. Okay. Perhaps take it with us if it doesn't trigger a trap or anything. Yes. Fingers crossed. Is look around and make sure uh, last time... Uh, in the final room of the the Vestin uh, tomb, it was uh, as soon as the thing was raised, uh, the trap uh, button was pushed down. 
Um, so maybe we make sure that 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 is a very solid surface it is on, and it is not about to trigger a trap. Sure, absolutely. Um, if necessary, may I spend a hero point to disarm a trap with? Got it. Yes. Cool. I will do so. Uh, so the book is closed. Uh, and as you go to open it, you see in the top corner, there's a small string, like basically invisible, uh, that uh, is goes into the plinth. And you think that might be a trap. Uh, so you take a piece of chalk and, and cut and tie the, uh, without releasing the tension, um, the, the string around the chalk so that it is still held taut. And you open up the book, and inside it contains a bunch of fables and songs of the Cerneth. Fables and songs of the Cerneth? This is incredibly culturally relevant. There's more information in uh, verbal songs than there is in ancient texts. Gudbrand, weren't you looking for a song, an old... An old uh, traditional song, yes? The Ice Winds of Odor, do you think? And I searched through, uh, I know probably right off the bat what Odor would be in a Cernith rune, and so I'm looking for that. Sure, as you page through, uh, there is a song about uh, Odor that uh, you think is the one you're looking for. This is... Exactly what I've been looking for. This is precisely the song. And it looks like it rhymes. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> hey, look at this cool rock I find. <laughs> I pocket it. Uh, this, is, this is something we are, we're taking with us. Um, does anybody happen to have that ribbon still? I'd like to mark this page. Oh, I, I don't know where it could possibly have no? gone to. Okay, well, I'm not going to dog-ear this ancient text, so... I, I, I pull out the ribbon. <laughs> I, I appreciate it, Bastian. You know, we were all looking at you. Well, obviously I had it. <laughs> and I uh, marked the page with the silver bookmark. You slip the ribbon into the book. It holds the place nicely. And do you guys spend any more time in this room? Um, I'll do a quick look around if there's some small inscription somewhere or or secret door or, you know, something strange. Uh, I, I suppose we investigate that. Otherwise, um, we I expect our prize to be waiting in the next room. Is it naturally formed or does it look built? This is built, certainly. Yes, I, I will definitely, like, take a close look around on all, on all the walls. Uh, and make sure there are no other clues to be found, uh, not to be uh, caught off guard again by not reading the whole page. (laughs) So uh, you take a look around, and there isn't, while there is plenty of knowledge on here, there doesn't seem to be anything pertinent to the next room. Uh, there's, um, there's inscriptions all along the wall, but it, it seems to be, um, instead of Serenith, it's, it's Numenari. It's like it's written in another language using the Numa alphabet. That could be extremely useful. If this was, for example, a Numenari transcription of Sirneth, this could be revolutionary. Let's go a long way to learning the actual pronunciation of a Sirneth language. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm go- I, like as much as I can, I'm going to like write down some of these passages. Here, use my slate. (laughs) 
Uh, yeah. How long do you spend uh, copying these passages? As long as they will let me. <laughs> I'm not, I mean, if I, I think it seems worthwhile. I guess this information is invaluable. Yeah, this is like Rosetta. This is finding the Rosetta Stone. <laughs> you say it is important and the room is not filling with water. So take your time. Um, I will take a piece of paper uh, that uh, from my pack and I will draw out a seven by seven grid. And while they are writing down these passages, I will play the Sireneth game with the Capitan. <laughs> King again. <laughs> sure. Um, it takes you hours to transcribe all of this. Uh, because it's not making words, so it's literally did right. I miss a did I miss a, a figure? I have to like trace it correctly. Uh, so even the two of you working together, because this is lines and lines and lines of basically gobbledygook until it's you work on it in a more controlled setting. Uh, it it just takes a very long time. You start to get tired before you. Like, you're very awake and you're very excited, but you also start to get tired before you're even close to done. I teach you different Osurin game, where I throw you different shaped rocks and you must fit them together before I throw you next rock. <laughs> I mean, I'll give it a try. We could set up camp here for the night if it is getting... I yeah. mean, we don't know exactly it's, what time it is. No, exactly how long is it until sunset? Oh, yeah, he does have time sense. Probably close to an hour. An hour from now. So we could spend... We, if we made camp, I don't think it'd be... If the amount of time that you slept is the time that you think. But roughly speaking, if it, regardless of what time it is, if we are feeling tired, uh, we could set up camp here in this room. I, I think if you... I mean, have you, you have not finished yet. Have you? This is probably almost an entire other day before you're done this we i mean setting up camp seems like the best option if you want to get this uh this translation i mean we're looking for as many repetitions of words that are used as possible to make this as easy as possible yeah i begin setting up camp it seems like the right thing to do um as we work i munch on a couple of broken pieces of bread (laughs) (laughs) definitely um i will point out that when you were trying to escape in Vestiman Avignar, uh, this was the room where the floor fell out, mm. just in case you didn't remember. So maybe we sleep, sleep in the hallway? Like in the hall, yeah, <laughs> in the corridor, but uh, still spend our time working. And we'll be moving as we work, so yeah. we won't be spending Spread too much time our in weight place. around. Yes, <laughs> sure. Great. We do that. You do. Um, it takes you the better part of uh, this day and the next before you are done. Uh, transcribing all of these passages and characters. Um, it's it's hard work with a torch. Sure. Certainly. Um, Without a doubt. Bastion and uh, and the captain, what are you what are you up to during this next twenty four hour period? I I will uh, I will take um, uh, Mateo's sword from him. Uh, and I will try to teach the captain uh, some tricks with his sword. I know you do not prefer it, but you can teach me some wrestling moves after. All right. This seems like fair trade-off. Uh, yeah, you duel to uh, the touch. Oh, uncle! Uncle! Uh, it's only fair. You win every sword fight. Oh. I have much bigger target. <laughs> <laughs> 
in my throat. It's a good trick. I will, uh, I will take note of it if ever I am in a bar fight. <laughs> uh, yeah, so you guys finally get everything transcribed. I think probably uh, Bastian and the captain have resorted to bouncing a ball against the wall for a while. <laughs> um, I spy something rock. <laughs> He's a rock. You win again. <laughs> My uh, friends, the Explorer Society is going to be in an ecstasy over these papers. Uh, this, I certainly hope so. I'm <laughs> getting a hell of a headache. Hopefully their purses feel the same way. Exploration is its own reward, of course. Uh, this is <laughs> your opinion. <laughs> Exploration does not feed the crew. <clears throat> well, I'm sure a stowage of mint plants will. <laughs> One way or another. Uh, Matteo, uh, Goodbrand, are you two uh, capable of uh, moving forward? I would like nothing better. Yeah. Right. We pack up camp. You pack up what's left of your camp, which actually isn't that much because you had plenty of time. Uh, as they were like, oh, we're on the last passage six hours ago. <laughs> you, uh, you were able to start packing up. Um, and you head down into what you believe is the main chamber based on the other tomb. Uh, I take the torch and I lead the way. Uh, so you do. It is a carbon copy of the one invested in Manavinyar, uh, with the beam of light, uh, and, uh, an icon on the plinth. Uh, this is a male icon rather than a female one. That you got from Vestin Manavanyar. Aha. Uh-huh. Well, I suppose this calls for touching something, doesn't it? Well, last time when you touched the thing in this room in Vestin, it uh, triggered a trap. So, uh, good brand. You want to take a look at that, perhaps? Sure. Uh, allow me, uh, Matteo, if you'll excuse me for just one moment. The wise man is one who learns from his own mistakes. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> Going to use got it again, and I'm going to uh, disarm this trap. Ah, oh, hey, remember cool rock Kiro find? <laughs> <laughs> it's a, wow, this rock, it's weight. It feels so familiar. <laughs> Good brand here. Uh, yes, uh, give me one second, all right? Back away. Mateo, seriously, you're breathing down my neck. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just so excited. <laughs> um, and I take the rock. Uh, Good brand takes the rock from Carol and uh, approaches the plinth. With arms outstretched, carefully, sweat dripping, beating down his nose. And a single drop hits the plinth. And he quickly swaps the two items. Does anything happen in the room? Nothing changes. He lets out a breath of relief. (gasps) Well, I'm glad we don't have to deal deal with that this time. And he turns around and uh, tosses the icon in his hand. He says, look what I found. (laughs) Yes. Yes, may I touch it? Uh, I suppose this time you have earned it. I, I I hug it. I hug it close to me. Is it? What does it feel like to the touch? Uh, pleasantly warm. Oh, it's just as warm as the other one. It's very interesting. It's gorgeous. If only I had the second one. Um. So the uh, runes that I assume are are inscribed in the side of this wall are they are they also in Vestin? Or are they in Numenari? They're in Numenari. Numenari. Uh, just like in the, the um, Vestin uh, sepulcher, uh, uh, there is a spot on the wall where the um, base of the 
icon will fit exactly. Um, uh, though this one is a mirror image of the uh, of the one in Vestin Manavinyar. So it takes you a little while to find it, but because you know what you're looking for, it's not that hard. Uh, and when you do, you're able to uh, place the icon in the spot and hold it. And uh, again, the the from the icon, uh, light spreads out um, into uh, the Numenari script as it uh, spreads across the wall. And instead of that blue purple like cold light it is a it is a bright like sandy orange yellow color um that that glows um in the numinari script uh also out of the top of the uh of the icon uh comes a crystal this is different First, last time it just uh, displayed a map yeah, on the wall. It, it, well, it showed us the way to the to this one, but this yes. one, your your poem uh, said in invest in it was uh, the guide, and then this one is the key, right? The darkened cell contains the key. This this, this is crystal. the key we've been looking for. It, it must be, but but only with the pair can we see the truth. Maybe this crystal is some is somehow related to the to the guide. I think we need to speak with your friend Amboise. You think he'd be willing just to give us our idol back? Well, whether or not he's willing to give it back, we will get it back. What does this crystal look like? Uh, so it's a flat, or a relatively flat, um, about two inches, two and a half inches long. Um, and it's got grooves on the uh on one side and is completely smooth on the other. It's a little like tiny rectangle, almost like <laughs> like a USB, but a little wider and a little flatter, a USB stick. And is it just like a clear crystal? Uh, yes, it is. Uh, it's orange, orangey yellow. Make sure you keep that somewhere safe. Maybe I shouldn't be the one to hold it. Here, put it into my satchel, Matteo. <laughs> I do so. And now... Well, maybe it is also the key out of here. Uh, th- we don't know of any exit from this place. That's true. We had to come down a slide to get here. Not to mention the magic door. As you as you mentioned the slide and the magic door, you hear a... <laughs> what? This is a yell from a few rooms back, I think. For the slide is? <gasps> My crown! <laughs> <laughs> We have just given them a, a, an open and free path straight to us. Did Ooh. it sound like Amboise? <laughs> it sounded like a, pers- like a person. <laughs> well, we should go back. There could be someone who is hurt. <sighs> you are right. If someone else is here, we should probably help them. Uh, if, if you want to try and look for an exit out of this room, you could. I'm going to go check on whoever that was. And I'm going to start heading back. Sure. Uh, I'm not very useful with Numenari script, so I follow uh, I follow Bastian, uh, and uh, I have my bow at the ready just in case it's someone dangerous. Yes, and I will frantically be looking for a way out of this room, uh, either in the script or uh, a keyhole, perhaps. I will split the difference in case Matteo gets into trouble or in case Bastian calls for aid. Okay, so are you holding the icon against the wall still, or... Mateo, or are you, uh, 
How, how are you searching? Because when you remove the icon from the wall, it stops glowing. You've had one torch lit pretty much this whole time. Mm-hmm. I assume, unless I'm incorrect, that uh, it's still with Bastion. Yes. So let's. I'll leave the idol in the wall for now. Okay. And search for an exit. Okay. Great. We're going to enter a dramatic scene. Excellent. Uh, so what are your approaches? I'm planning on sneaking up on the person. I want to remain hidden and ready. I don't, I want to see them before they see us. Uh, yeah, let me give you a little bit more information. Sure, absolutely. Uh, I think that's only fair. So uh, you get to the top of the um, incline, Gutbrand and Bastian. Um, as you sneak up, there is uh, another person uh, who slides into the room. Um and uh, they are wearing the um, Bernoulli coat of arms. You m- may have seen them before. They don't have a torch with them, so it's very hard to see anything. Um, if uh, your torch is, is casting light, they could definitely see it. Um, if they were, I mean, they can see their shadows. Yeah. Um, I, I think I am walking forward with a torch. Uh, I am not necessarily trying to be sneaky. It would be uh, it would be good brand who is trying to stay in the shadows. Okay, yeah. So as you as you step confidently uh, up the inclines uh, to get there, you see um, men dressed in the uh, Bernoulli coat of arms, um, seemingly waiting to slow uh, or catch uh, the next person to come down, and uh, the next person you see is indeed Amboiseau. Uh, what approaches are you taking? Uh, well, now that I know it is the Bernoulli's, um, <clears throat> I will not draw my blade immediately, um, but I am going to engage them in conversation uh, and more or less stake uh, our claim on these uh, on these ruins. Uh, they they don't get to come in and and try to uh, ride our coattails on these. Uh, if they want to lay down arms. I will gladly uh, escort them bound out of the uh, the cave and then unbind them once we're out. Okay. But I'm more or less using the threat of if they do not agree with me, I just will fight them. Uh, so you can go ahead and roll panache and intimidate. A good friend uh, is remaining back in the shadows uh, and he's essentially waiting for Bastian's cue uh, to... To fire a projectile in a in a threatening manner, like he could uh, be dead at any second uh, if Bastian so wanted it to be. Okay, uh, so that will be finesse and aim. Uh, I am going to be looking for the exit to this room. Um, did I didn't find the exit in the last one we were in? No. Um, uh, I think my first approach is probably going to be. Um, Rather than uh, just, like, looking for an exit, I think it's going to be trying to solving for the exit. Like, uh, reading the runes and with what I know about the, the last one and the idol and uh, the, the puzzle, um, trying to figure out what this room needs out of me to open up an exit. So that uh, will be wits and scholarship. Uh, having... Heard no call from Bastion. Uh, I'm going to <coughs> resolve to guard this half point so uh, that if someone does get through Bastion, they will have to get through me to get to Mateo. 
Uh, so I just bunker down. So uh, you're resolving to defend this space. So uh, you will roll resolve and brawl. So you're in three groups. So um, unless you move to another space, uh, you will be uh, working independently. Um, so it'll be uh, Bastian and Gutbrand. Um, I'll let you know what your opportunities and consequences are. Um, Captain, I will let your let you know of your opportunities and consequences. Uh, and uh, Mateo, also, um, you will be on your own. Because you have uh, the potentially the numbers at the moment, um, ba uh, Bastian and uh, Gutbrand, uh, you have the opportunity to stop any um, aggressive action before it starts. So that will take uh, two raises to convince them of your claim, to, to get them to acquiesce to your request. Uh, it's going to be six raises. Okay. And if you want them uh, like fully under your will with the whole like, yes, we agree to be bound, it'll take an additional two raises on top of the acquiescence. Okay. Uh, Captain, uh, you are sitting in this room that you've been sitting in for a while. Uh, there are very few consequences, uh, that you have to stop. Um, but what, uh, but for every three raises you spend on an opportunity, I will give you an idea. Mm. And Mateo, uh, because you're studying feverishly, your consequences are that you will be fatigued. Um, you've slept very little and now you're putting this extra last push. Uh, mm -hmm. Your brain is just going to be mushy for a while after this if you don't really focus and you're going to have to put three raises into that. Um, to discover the, um, the exit, uh, it will take three raises as well. Uh, and to leave with... Uh, Basically, to pull the idol away from the wall so there's no proof that you have it and to exit with it if you need to in time, basically to hide the idol, uh, it's an additional two raises. Okay, let's roll. I would like to spend uh, two hero points, uh, one for Mateo and one for Bastion, uh, so that they can each act uh, in their respective areas with the confidence that there is backup nearby. Grazie mille. <laughs> Uh, I will spend a hero point um, on myself as well to give myself one more die. I failed to say earlier, but uh, there will also be on initiative count three and one reinforcements. Uh, Captain, you're in the middle. Let's go with you first. Uh, four raises, one remainder. Good friend. Um, four raises, one remainder, and I behave in initiative as though I have five raises because I have quick reflexes with aim. Um, Bastian? I have uh, five raises with a remainder. And Matteo? Uh, six raises, one remainder. Uh, Matteo, you have the initiative. Perfect. Uh, I am going to, uh, frantically, scrambling, uh, read these Numenari runes, and um, is it some kind of puzzle to discover? The, what, what is the nature of discovery? I don't really... 
I, the player, don't really know what the nature of discovering the exit is. Uh, we're, in a dr- to... we're in a dramatic sequence, so you can tell me. Oh, sure. Um, then I have to think of it. Um, I mean, I have an idea, but if you have an idea, you're welcome to just describe it yourself. I don't have an idea, please. Okay. Uh, 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 I am reading these runes in order to determine... Uh, there is obviously maybe some kind of riddle or puzzle uh, uh, based on this ancient Numenari or this ancient Sirneth culture and religion uh, that solves for uh, how someone who rightfully could take this idol would get out after removing it. And I'm spending all three of my raises to, uh, or three of my six, to discover the exit here so that I know what to do when the time comes. Um, so you're sort of scrambling around and then you realize that you are panicking and you need like a second and you kind of step back and you realize that there are, and and you can't believe that you didn't see this before, but you were so enthralled with the actual text. You missed the literal bigger picture. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and, uh, the, uh, old Numenari word for, Exit <laughs> is li- is literally inscribed as the capital le- or like as the first letter of each line of the poem. So, uh, or you know, to press them in order in order to uh, open up the exit. Uh, egret. What does this have to do with birth? Egress. Egress. <laughs> uh, yes, and I uh, and I I do that and. Um, it opens up uh, a door, yes? Uh, yeah, uh, an entire wall, actually. I was prepared for this. Uh, th- these trees, they make a forest. <laughs> uh, and behind the, the stone wall that's just lifted up is another stone wall with, it, with like a door in it. That's why there was no seam for any door. It's because it's the literal wall was a door. Yes. Uh, great, perfect. Um, Bastian and Gutbrand, you have the initiative. Okay, so there are three men in here, one of which is Amboise. Yes. Uh, I will walk out confidently, uh, uh, switching the torch over to my non-sword hand, uh, and I will rest my sword hand meaningfully on my belt, uh, and I will say, Ah, gentlemen, it seems we need to talk, and I will grin my disarming smile. Which I, I believe would remove the need to spend two raises to stop any aggressive action at yes. the beginning. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, your disarming smile puts them off their guard. Of all the things that they might have been expecting, a smile was not one of them. Uh, and I will uh, go, uh, you, your name, you know, I forget it. It starts with an F, yes? And I point towards Amboise. Uh, no. No, it's, I thought it was Framboy or something like that. No. Oh, okay. I, you may remember me. Uh, we met in Vestin. Uh, you did not have these lovely companions with you. Hello, hello. They say nothing. Uh, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but uh, you are a little late to the party. Uh, this uh, ruin has already been climbed. I am sure we can come to some sort of arrangement. I am sure we can as well. Uh, and uh, I do. Is, uh, I am hoping one of them is wearing a hat. Sure. <laughs> Perfect. 
First, I must say, that is a very fine hat, and I will spend a raise uh, uh, to signal uh, Goodbrand to shoot the hat off of the man's head, uh, putting my raise towards um, clay- staking our claim on this ruin. And they that- also spend the raise to fire? So is that two raises to stake the claim? Yes. yes. Um, uh, where... Does it hit his hat? Does it just like wing it or does it go the top or yeah. right over over it? The or? goal is for him to uh, feel the tail feathers of the arrow as it as it uh, passes through the very top of his hat and, and nails it to the wall behind him. Okay. Good brand, Bastian and Captain Kirill, you have uh, you have the initiative. Quickly after I fire the first arrow, I fire a second one i'm going to spend one raise to fire the arrow and then a second raise to create an opportunity so uh, it is still a threat clearly they see the arrow coming they see that it is fired but um that's the goal is for it to go just behind amboise right heel uh creating an opportunity for um uh, for bastian to embarrass him further perhaps by tripping him over it so one to acquiesce and one to create an opportunity how do they react to the, the two warning shots before I choose my words? They're not exactly off put, uh, but they're 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 confused as to where that arrow came from, um, and they're looking a little bit more aggressive. Right. As soon as the uh, naturally, I assume they they reach for their weapons. An arrow was shot at them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will just thumb my blade slightly out of its uh, scabbard and go. I, 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 I. We are just talking, and I will begin to walk forward, uh, locking eyes with Amboise, while I am still speaking to the Bernolis, and I will say, this fine gentleman here, he may have uh, uh, misconstrued uh, his claim to this area, to you fine men. Uh, I do not uh, have any quarrel with you, Uh, and as I'm saying this, I'm going to walk towards him uh, to uh, spend the rays uh, staking my claim, uh, and uh, another raise to take the, uh, control of that opportunity and make him look like a fool as he trips over the arrow behind him. Uh, yeah, sure, you can do that. Uh, and we can definitely come to an agreement, I think. Uh, what do you think, Amboise? I say, kind of taking another step towards him so that he trips. That that sort of like uh, aggressive sort of like boot action is, is enough to make him back up just slightly and he, he does trip over the arrow. Uh, and then he like scrambles to his feet and goes... There is, there must be enough for us to share. Do you not think so? Uh, I would like to have an idea. (laughs) (laughs) I'll spend three of my four raises. Um, Okay. So you're thinking about this. And and true, there's only been three people who have come down that slide. But there was a whole ship of people. So you're thinking that it would be more effective to stop them than to fight them because they might be coming down forever, especially if they found a way to pin those uh, doors open in the in the like game room. So you think, hey, I need to take one of those things from that room. Maybe that crown. (laughs) (laughs) All right. King Kirill. Uh, so you've basically spent your raises to get the idea and opportunity to perhaps act on that idea. Uh, there's a short yell, uh, and then uh, three people 
slide down the slide, um, and you find yourself facing not three, but now six. Ah, now it is a fair fight, <laughs> I say. Uh, Matteo? I would like, uh, so I am, I am considering the way we are going to be escaping from this. And um, how I want to hide where the idol was placed and that the idol was placed at all. And I look from the, the place where the idol is um, to the, the place that um, we have that roughly idol-shaped rock lying on the trap. And I want to spend three raises not only to remove and hide the idol, but also to create an opportunity um, by... I kind of want to wind like a string uh, around and tie it to the idol and tie it to the um, to the rock, uh, so that I can pull it, so that the idol comes to me, and the uh, rock goes into the uh, and and hides the place where the idol the like where the idol is inset, and would trigger the trap at the same time. It's like an elaborate pulley system. If I can't do that, that's fine. You're trying like, to create a Rube Goldberg device with one opportunity? I do a silly thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you uh, are able to jury rig a, a system of events that allow the this, by pulling on the string, the idol to fly to whomever does, whoever pulls on the string uh, and the rock to... Um, be removed and set up uh, where the idol is placed in the wall. Uh, Bastian and Gutbrand, you are up. Um, is there someone here who looks like he is in charge? Perhaps the person whose hat was shot off? I've, In my experience, Capitans like to wear hats. <laughs> <laughs> I'm more or less trying to convince Amboise's bodyguards that it is not worth their time to fight. So I'm looking for the head of the bodyguards, the head Bernoulli. So this is what you would classify as a brute squad. Sure. They are, they are men among equals. I suppose I am looking for the one of the six people who stands out. And I'm going to talk to that one. Sure. There's a, there's a big dude. And, and he, he looks like he might be the first to swing a sword. Sure. Yeah. I will go and talk to him. Okay. Is he one of the ones who just slid down or one of the ones who was already here? He was one of the ones who was already here. He's a he's a lead kind of guy. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. He has a torch. <laughs> <laughs> ah, I see you too carry the torch. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, uh, I, I go up to him and uh, uh, I say, listen, it's not your fault. You just did not bring enough men. Whoever else you may have coming along, it's in your best interest just to Come with us quietly. We will escort you out of our tomb and we can go our merry ways. You do not need to get in so much trouble for one such as Amboise. And plus, you're not just dealing with me. Uh, spending a race to signal to uh, Goodbrand to fire another warning shot as I spend that race towards convincing them to come with me uh, in restraints. Goodbrand does fire his arrow. And um, you are up close next to this uh, big gentleman, is that correct? That is correct. Um, so I see the angle you are, you are kind of intimidating him from, and uh, um, I fire my arrow in such a way so that it gracefully glides over your shoulder and uh, right next to his head. I go, ooh, that one was close. So your your arrow flies true uh, uh, once again, just nearly missing um, 
your quarry, which is exactly what you wanted. As uh, the captain notices the the badge, uh, you proudly wear Bastion, uh, signaling that you are, in fact, a member of the Duelist Guild. Mm-hmm. And just as that happens, it seems like they're about to just flat out like, yes, we're sorry, you were here first, finders keepers kind of stuff. Three more men <laughs> come down, come down the slide uh, and they stand. They, they look like they're they're just part of a, a squad, uh, again, all wearing sort of the same tabard and and uh and cloak and uh they they look like they're spoiling for a fight and uh then the big the big guy holds up his hand anyways for you to speak i will look at all of them and i will grin and go like i said you did not bring enough men if you would be so hand, so kind as to present your hands uh i will bind you gently and we will escort you out of our tomb uh you first, Amboise. And as I grab Amboise to stand him, uh, to kind of move him into position, right. hopefully, hopefully he, not being a fighter, will see that his brute squad is is uh, pacified and will at least let me touch him. And then I'm going to uh, create an opportunity uh, to try and find out where he has this idol on him, if he has this idol on him, to kind of pat him down, you know? So that perhaps I or someone who I tell where it is can take it back. Sure. You, you do so. Uh, you don't necessarily feel it. Sure. Um, and he goes, oh, you are looking for the present that uh, your little Matteo gave to me. It is not here. Unfortunately, I am not so stupid as to carry it on my person like some. But if I bid you good day, I will not be coming with you. Uh, he... Uh, backs up and he's going to spend some of his influence and I'm going to spend a danger point okay. uh, for him to uh, pull on an unseen rope back in the back of the slide and uh, he's lifted up um, presumably by other men. Adios, muchacho. Until we see each other again. Uh, you find men. Swords to the ground, please. They're happy to sheathe their swords and come with you quietly. Uh, Gubran, you can come out of the shadows now. Oh, hello. I'm Gubrand. <laughs> nice to meet you. <laughs> My seven-foot-tall Vestin uh, surrogate brother walks out wearing his hood and his bow. Um, we gently restrain the men, not very heavily. Uh, they seem to be very cooperative. Um, I will let uh, one of them hold all the swords. The, uh, the, ca- the, the man who seemed largest and in charge, I will let him carry everyone's swords. He doesn't have to be bound. Okay. And, uh, and I will start walking them back towards where you are. Towards where I am. Okay. We came to an understanding, Capitan. Uh, though Amboise did not seem uh, too keen, he may come back through here again later to see what we leave behind. This is good to know. Uh, please, continue. I will be with you presently. <laughs> of course, Capitan. And I, uh, uh, I lead the good brand and the six brutes uh, into uh, the next room. Uh, once it does, I will use idea and use last rays to do two things. I have good idea. <laughs> First, I take crown and put on top of hat. Is not too much. Second, <laughs> I replace coin, which I pocket, with a pouch of gold weights. So perhaps anyone who is trying to uh, 
put things in the right places might think that these pouch goes where the pouch goes instead of the gold coin that was there. Okay, and you do this uh, very quick because... As quick as possible to tumble through the door before it slams shut. (laughs) (laughs) And you do. Um, So you and your eight brand new companions uh, walk into the sepulcher room where Mateo is feverishly uh, setting up a trap. Don't come in! (laughs) Do we need to wait? Are you indecent? Uh, Well, it depends how decent you consider setting up a dastardly trap. Oh, there may not be need. Oh, that's fine. (laughs) I'll just... You hear, like, clanking. (laughs) (laughs) I'll just hang on. (laughs) I do tell you that Amboise did not uh, agree to my terms, and he may be coming through here again. It was Amboise? Uh, Yes. Uh, (laughs) You may notice the Bernoulli crest on these uh, fine gentlemen who have agreed to come with us in peace. I look at them. Why Amboise, though? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, They all just kind of shrug. We do it. We are told. <sighs> Bodachi are predictable. They go where the money is. What? I am, I am not disincluding myself from this. <laughs> <laughs> Matteo, uh, did you happen to find an exit to this sepulcher? Or are we just going to be standing around here all day talking to our prisoners? Oh, I point to the, the uh, exit letters and then finally to the open door. <laughs> yeah, we can go through there. Uh, do you still have your police system to trigger the trap behind us? Mm, well, I did put in all this work. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, once we all are standing in the doorway, I pull my line, uh, pulling the, the idol to my hand and um, dragging the, uh, the stone over the, um, the inset where the idol was. Yeah, it all happens, uh, and uh, you you hear, like, rocks fall, uh, and um, then a sound as um, sand begins to fill the uh, Ah, the tomb. Sand instead of water. I like it as a nice touch. And then... uh, (laughs) And then the wall that you're all facing slams down in front of you, uh, <laughs> cutting you off from the sepulchre room. You are now just in this hallway, uh, all 12 of you. <laughs> well, uh, you gentlemen have all seen, have been very lucky to witness this today. Uh, that was just a bit of uh, marvelous Sirnet engineering. Uh, and now for stairs. And I take the torch. And I lead the way. Okay. Uh, about halfway down the hall, uh, your torch uh, shows a door with a safe-like lever for handle. I'm going to open it, I hope. You'll try. But first, that's where we'll end our session. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast has been brought to you by ENPC Productions. All rights reserved. The Essential NPCs podcast is not affiliated with, endorsed, sponsored, or specifically approved by John Wick Presents. 7C is a trademark of John Wick Presents. For more information, go to www.johnwickpresents.com.